I'm your host, Jason Ball, certified financial planner, one of the only independent commission-free financial advisors in Rutherford County. All about me, check out Jason Qualls, CFP.com. If you'll jump in, email, social media, click email the show at financialcoachingradio.com. Social media links are there as well. One of the biggest concerns for folks nearing or in retirement is if they wonder, or they do wonder, will they run out of money? There's no way to tell for certain. Obviously, you have a billion dollars and spending very little. It's highly unlikely. But most people, they retire with just enough assets to produce the income that they need. And if you're wondering how to calculate that, I would say don't go at this alone. One of the biggest areas of value that a financial planner can create for you is the retirement distribution planning process. Now, saving for retirement, uh, it's the easy part. It's the fun part. Uh, we save 5%, 10%, 20%, whatever you're saving. You save what you can. Obviously, you know to have a budget, set a, 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 a savings percentage, and stick to that over decades and decades, and your wealth grows and grows and grows. And the investment strategy, uh, even though I believe you need help in that area, uh, like a fee-only certified financial planner that can provide, but the distribution part, that is the part you can't mess up. You cannot mess up running out of money or the likelihood of you running out of money. The 4% rule is something that's still around, and what that means is you take your total assets, you multiply, not total assets, but as far as your total retirement assets, multiply by 4%, and that is the annual number you start withdrawing every year adjusted for inflation minus taxes and the mathematical data depending on your investment allocation that should sustain you that four percent withdrawal rate should sustain you for about 30 years with very little likelihood of you running out of money now in the low interest rate environment that we've been in for basically what 10 years maybe even 15 years where interest rates have just came down down and down i mean cds bonds uh, money markets those things aren't paying what they used to pay inflation um is right around you know, that the average has been about two or three percent. Obviously, it's a big topic that's worrying people today. What's ha- what's going to happen with the countrywide inflation? Is it going to be higher than normal? But if we just say that inflation is about two and a half percent, let's split the difference. And your fixed income assets are only going to earn one, one and a half percent, or that's all they have earned. Obviously, that portion is not keeping up the way that it used to when the four percent mathematical formula was created so I, I think it's about 50 years old or so when someone crunched the numbers and said well if your asset allocation is this and you would draw four percent of your total adjusted for inflation minus taxes you're not going to run out of money or the likelihood is very low that you would run out of money with interest rates being lower over the last decade some people say it's now three percent or three and a half percent Ultimately, no one knows. I'm still a big favor of the 4% rule, not because I think it's just fact. It's because I believe going much more below that is too conservative. You're not spending as much as you, sh- you should because, let's be honest, most people aren't going to live until they're 90. Now, some people will, but most will not. So if you're retiring at 65 and we do a 30-year calculation for retirement spending, you know, what percentage of people are going to live until they're 95? Not very many. 
So I'm okay with making, you have to use some flexibility. That's the real part of planning. So someone that's very, very risk averse, that's very, that wants a lot of certainty in their retirement plan, we may use a 3% withdrawal rate. Again, take your total retirement assets, multiply by that withdrawal rate, uh, adjust for inflation every year, minus taxes, and that's what your spending level is. Of course, that gets added to Social Security or pensions or other things that you have. But, uh, so it's a case-by-case basis. In other cases, someone that wants to retire early, maybe pre-Social Security age, pre-age 62, and maybe we spend a little more than 4 or 4.5% in the early years until Social Security kicks in, and then we drop the percentage down because we're trying to make sure we're able to, or the person reaches their goal, which is early retirement. So it's not a hard, fast, black and white thing, in my view. But a lot of people are worried they will run out of money. And I think another, looking at an analysis here from Kiblinger Personal Finance Magazine, which is Kiblinger.com, it asked the question, what is the growth rate you're using? Most financial advisors, according to the article, build a conservative growth rate into their projections. 5% annual growth is common. Well, the reason I think that most advisors are using 5% is because they know their client's probably getting 7 or 8% and their expenses and their advisor fees are eating up 3 4% of that, so they're only giving them 5%. I do not A balanced portfolio, what is the 20-year average there? And I know we have taxable accounts versus all that. I'm not even talking about taxes. Your growth rate is more than 5%, even if you're 50-50, 60-40. I don't know if that's going to be in the future going to be that way, but certainly 5% just seems too conservative. So if you have go ultra conservative on your rate of return and you go over the top with your inflation calculation, what that ultimately leads you to do in the out, in the output of the analysis is have you spend less than you could be spending. And if the, whatever that number comes out to be, if it's adequate and you can live comfortable and meet your lifestyle and all that stuff, that's a good thing. Don't spend more than you need or want to live your current lifestyle but if you're saying well i'm used to living on five thousand but based on this five percent return three percent inflation and living for 30 40 years i can only spend three thousand a month well i'm gonna retire anyway that sucks we have to do our clients better when it comes to being honest with them i think a lot of advisors do not uh, tell all the details. They think, well, I don't want to confuse someone. I don't want to go too much into the weeds with it. But I think it's just letting people know that it's very subjective. What rate of return I use for you may not be the same rate of return I use for another client. Maybe there's age differences. Maybe there's risk tolerance differences. Maybe there's investment strategy differences. Maybe uh, you know, someone has a, a larger asset base and we can scale back the withdrawal rate. Maybe someone is trying to retire early, like I re- described earlier, and we use higher than uh, normal withdrawal rate. But you see how just even discussing it and trying to articulate all the details here, which is hard to do over the air. It's hard to do in person. I'm not trying to overcomplicate it because I don't think it's overly complicated. I just don't think it's one of, it's one of those issues. You can always try to, to fix your car on your own. You can always play Dr. Google and do you know, your own 
give yourself medical advice when you're not an expert. You can always look online for legal advice. That doesn't mean you're capable of doing the best job possible. I think in this particular instance, when you're nearing or in retirement, you need to make sure your advisor is totally capable and knowledgeable of retirement distribution planning. And that only comes with experience. It only comes with training. Get a second opinion on your investments, your financial plan from an independent fee-only certified financial planner. You know, not someone that's selling books, not someone who's selling financial products, not someone who works for an investment firm or a bank or an insurance company. Those guys are not going to be able to serve your best interest like an independent fee-only CFP. Go to JasonQualsCFP.com for more. Next up, we'll be talking estate planning. Wills trust powers of attorney. Estate planning tips are on the way if you keep it locked in right here on Financial Coaching Radio. Get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. I'm Jason Qualls, commission-free certified financial planner. I can't stress enough how important it is for you to get a second opinion on your investments and financial plan. Unfortunately, since most financial advisors care more about selling you financial products than providing objective advice, it can be hard for you to know who has your best interest in mind. Call me, Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner for a free no-obligation investment review at 878-2134 or go to my website jasonquallscfp.com. We can do just about anything on the internet today. We can get medical advice, buy investments. We can even get a will for about $15. I know how enticing cheap and easy it can sound, but when you leave loved ones behind, a $15 will bought online may not cut it. As a certified financial planner, I strongly recommend that you use an estate planning attorney. Call estate planning attorney John Baker today at 896-5621 or go to his website, bakercouncil.com, so you don't make a $15 decision that could cost your family thousands of dollars. A recent undercover study found that over 89% of paid tax preparers made mistakes. You heard me right, over 89%. Is your tax person making mistakes? Tax mistakes cost you money and may even lead to an IRS audit. I recommend you get a second opinion on your tax return today by calling Tothero Helen Welch CPAs at 848-1072. Tothero Helen Welch has been providing tax services to individuals and businesses for over 50 years. So call them today at 848-1072 or go to thwcpa.com. Welcome back to the show, John. Great to be here. All right, so let's talk estate planning. What are some of the biggest mistakes people can make? And I think an easy one to overlook is because a lot of people are busier now, more busy now than ever. A lot more things are complicating their lives. Estate planning is not on the forethought of their mind. And you name beneficiaries for life insurance, personally owned work. You name beneficiaries for your work retirement plans. You also do for your individual retirement accounts and annuity pop contracts and other things like that and if you don't stay on top of it you can have some outdated beneficiaries and if that happens and you pass away john what's the repercussions of that 
Yeah, well, it could disrupt your estate plan. It may go to somebody or, or in a manner that was not your intent. And, and even though you may have updated your will or, or, or your trust or your other estate planning documents, if you haven't updated those beneficiary forms, you know, you could still have an outdated plan. So I have a will, let's say, that everything goes to my child, but my beneficiary form says everything goes to my mother, and then I pass away. Uh, is there going to be any claims? Since my will says one thing, my beneficiary form says the other, which is the the deciding the, the factor? Can anything be done to change that yeah. after the fact? Yeah, so for that account, you know, that beneficiary form is going to be the controlling document there. Um, now, you know, there can always be litigation. Well, you know, grandma was supposed to hold it in trust for the kids, but, but you know, that's that's hard to do, expensive to do, and you have to hire, hire a lawyer, and, 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 and then you've got the form that just has grandmother's name. And, and the, the company, you know, the financial company is going to be, you know, they're going to want to pay who's named on their form. So a will is important because it, it – so what are the key aspects of a will for a simple estate plan? So let's say someone has a home, they're married, they have a couple of retirement plans, and they have some life insurance. That's basically it. And, what do, and obviously all those assets that, uh, that are, have like a 401K or an IRA and life insurance all has beneficiaries. Since all of that is directed by the beneficiary form, what is the will doing in, in that instance? Yeah, so the so in a husband wife situation, uh, where when the first of them dies, it, there's a good chance that everything was either joint or or by beneficiary designation. So there may not be anything to pass through a will in a probate court uh, because everything went as a joint survivor or or as or as a beneficiary designation on the account. Uh, but when the second of them dies, you know, then, then that's more likely to require the probate. But you, you still also want to have a will even in that first scenario because there could have been things that were individually owned that, that didn't pass some other way. Or there could be uh, issues in the estate that just necessitate uh, an, an, you know, an, a probate. Uh, such as if they had a lawsuit pending or if monies became payable to the estate after they died. Uh, you also like to do a will so you can go ahead and nominate who you want to be the executor or administrator of your estate. If there's minor children, you can name the guardians for the minor children. Uh, you can waive some of the, the expenses and formalities of probate uh, through language in your will. So it's still... Uh, even when you own everything joint or if it's passing by pay on death, it, it's still advisable, you know, for each of you to have a will. Get those beneficiary forms updated. Don't overlook that's, that. Yeah, that's right. And Because, you know, sometimes I, it, it's very common for people to think they're written one way, but when we actually go pull the paperwork, we see it says something else. So it, and, and sometimes those beneficiary designations are getting done rather quickly uh, toward the end of all the financial planning that might have taken some time. And so, um, you know, sometimes just in the haste of it, it, it may have been done one way and you thought it was done another. And, you know, years later you find out, oh, it says it doesn't have my wife there. It says my estate. I meant to have my wife there. You know, just little things like that um, that you need to review when, when you're doing your estate planning. For just jumping in, we're talking estate planning with John Baker, estate planning attorney, Baker, BakerCouncil.com. I've got to ask an interesting question from someone. You know, let's say let's say you pass away and, and you, you have, your spouse has died before you, and, 
and maybe there were some medical expenses that you incurred before you passed away and let's say everything that you own uh, just goes directly to your beneficiaries there is no basically a probate estate like you ex explained earlier in the husband wife situation so nothing's passing through the court system or has to be sorted out through the court system who is responsible for those medical bills that someone racked up in that situation yeah, so when the when the person has died, let's just say there is a surviving spouse. Uh, in 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 my experience, uh, the if if a probate is opened within one year of death, then the medical provider will file a claim and the estate will be obligated. Uh, but the question is, is there money in the estate to pay it? And if everything passed outside the probate, there wouldn't be which would also raise the question of, of why would you even open the probate in that situation to begin with if nothing was passing through and maybe there's a reason to but but uh, uh, but that's that's usually how, how that will work at least in, in, in I believe you know probably every case I've ever done for many years in probate is that uh, if you open the probate give notice to creditors which includes the medical bills uh, they will file their claims against the estate. How do they locate? The, you know, obviously, if, you, if the, you're getting bills for maybe your parent that passed away, and you're like, hey, this person's passed away, they died, right. and the hospital's notified. But how do they go out and search? Well, is a probate case open? Is it, is it something, is it, is it a, a, a technology-based system they're using? No, or? actually, if the probate is opened, then the executor is, is required to mail them notice. Gotcha. So, so you actually, as the executor, have to give them notice if the probate estate is open. And then if they don't make a claim, I guess you don't pay it. That's but if they right. do, you do pay if there's nothing in the estate. So what if there's nothing in the estate that the medical bills just yeah. don't get paid? That's right. Then the estate essentially is insolvent, and you'll go through a, an insolvency process. Uh, which if, And if there's no assets, then you know they, they don't get paid. They're, they're, they're unsecured creditors in the creditor world so. so we're talking in a, a few months ago about updating beneficiary forms and the purpose of a will if everything passes outside of the estate a very common question for all levels of estate planning is well how much inheritance tax am i going to owe when my parents pass away yeah so <laughs> and that that's it's a very common yeah yeah so i yeah in, in all the estate planning i do uh you know we always I always have a, at least a, a, a mention of estate taxes uh, it's not as heavily discussed anymore because Tennessee has abolished their estate tax for deaths 2016 and later, and the federal exemptions exempt all but the most wealthy people. So uh, in, in that, so, but a lot of people don't realize that because in an earlier time that was not the case. Tennessee had an estate tax. The federal estate tax was uh, applicable to much smaller estates. So there's still a lot of uh, uh, questions about that. So we go over it, you know, in all the estate planning uh, just to let people know, you know, you, you may have estate tax issues or you don't have estate tax issues or, or you do. And, uh, and just let them know what the current state of the law is. But uh, we, we do get that and people are worried about it. But the good news is today most people don't have to be worried about that. Uh, what was the Tennessee inheritance tax uh what was it? Has it been, was it around for years and years and years until it went away? It was what it went away yes. like five years I, ago or something like that. Right, and I don't know the full history on it, but I've I've been 
practicing law in Tennessee since 1995, and, and it's it was here when I got here. So, so it so makes sense that you know if, if people are older and maybe they someone had died. 10 years ago then oh there's inheritance tax for even for right. a two hundred thousand dollar estate it's a state was a tennessee tax not the federal but mm-hmm. i can see why people can be preconceived that that still exists if they're not aware of the law change right and you know and, and, and these laws do change uh you know we've got very high exemptions right now under the federal law and and you know chances are you know in the next few years uh we're gonna have changes to that and we'll see where it goes we talked about very simple estates in Tennessee not having an inheritance tax, updating beneficiary forms. What if you can have a very simple estate? Maybe you have a home here, you have a vaca- vacation home somewhere else, and what does that do as far as the probate when you own property in two different states? So you, let's say nothing really needs to be done in Tennessee or tax needs to be paid in Tennessee, but what if I have property in Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky? Maybe they have a, a different laws. Right. So, so property in uh, another state other than your residence, real estate, we're talking about real property, uh, passes under the laws of the state where the real property is located. So if you live in Tennessee, have your beach house, you know, in, in, in Florida, uh, that beach house at your death is subject to administration or probate or whatever the process may be under Florida law. Uh, a common planning tool in that situation is to put the Florida home in a revocable trust so that uh, there would not be a probate at death. So that's one of the key aspects that trust planning can help with if you own property in two different areas. Right. You, you, you can basically avoid not just one probate in your resident state, but also a probate in where the, uh, the second property is located. A lot of businesses will set up different types of corporations in other states. Does that apply to that same? Let's say I have a Nevada corporation or a Utah corporation or whatever for different purposes. Does uh, that go through probate in that state or my says i live here and all i now, work here. since that's more of an intangible asset it's not real property that that's that's normally going to pass under the laws of the residents so uh, really it's all like real residence. estate here is the main one right yeah it's really real estate financial coaching radio estate planning discussion today with john baker bakercouncil.com stick around we'll be back right after this The more I see, the less I know, the more I like to let it go. Hey, oh, whoa, whoa. Listen up. When is the last time you talked with an independent, objective, certified financial plan? Do yourself a favor and get a second opinion on your investments and financial plan. Call me, Jason Qualls. Be only certified financial planner today at 878-2134 or go to jasonqualscfp.com. Buying a house is stressful and so is shopping for a mortgage. Take my advice and get a second opinion on the mortgage for your new home or your refinance. Not all banks and mortgage companies are created equal. Trust me on this. Call my friend Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Great team great process and the best rates. Marshall Spark with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Welcome back to this is Angel Coaching Radio. 
Friday, 4 o'clock right here on that video. It's over. So, 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 tickets. We'll leave that to the other show. I'm Jason Walls, certified financial planner. Still talking estate planning with John Baker, estate planning attorney. BakerCouncil.com is his website, BakerCouncil.com. So, John, tell the listeners a little bit about what your practice specializes in as far as estate planning, Medicaid, asset protection. Yeah, we're, we're uh, basically an estate planning and elder law law firm. You know, we do uh, traditional estate planning. We do long-term care planning, Medicaid planning for people, you know, entering nursing homes. And uh, we also administer estates, probate. So basically all those uh, related areas. And uh, if anybody uh, uh, needs help with that, they're, they're welcome to give us a call. So you've been doing this, you said, 25 years in Tennessee, right? Yep, I've been practicing in 25 years in these areas of work probably starting in the early 2000s and just kind of evolved from there. It, oh, you mentioned long-term care planning. Obviously, there, there's more involved there, but the first thing that occurred to me is that the long-term care insurance industry has changed. What have you experienced with your, your practice and your clients in relation to people owning, using, buying long-term care insurance in the last few years? Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, – it's still not most people do not have insurance coverage uh i, I think there is a, a shift more toward the uh the the other the from traditional long-term care insurance to some of the uh the hybrid and hybrid policies that uh have a long-term care benefit with it uh but you have to be able to afford those uh policies and and, and they're not inexpensive uh but uh, i the good thing about insurance, and what I try to stress to people, that certain, particularly people that have the uh, money, you know, to to be able to afford it, is that it covers not just nursing home or skilled level of care like Medicaid. It will cover at home home care, assisted living, so 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 other levels of care because not everybody will need nursing home care. But you might need years in a memory unit in assisted living. Well, Medicaid doesn't pay that. So, uh, so but the insurance does. So, so there's some things the insurance does that, 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 you know, just qualifying for Medicaid won't help you on. And so, you know, I think that's an important factor. And so, they, you know, that's, that's kind of what I've seen. I still don't, you know, there's still not a, a, a – most people still don't have the insurance. But I think that, that the insurance – really uh, needs to be the uh, you know the future I mean, we need to find a way to to make this insurance available uh, on a broader scale of more affordable on a broader scale because you know, I just think the system we have you know moving forward long term is, is just really not workable Medicaid is, is the payer of last resort uh it probably pays for over 50 percent of people in nursing homes on long-term care and you know i don't really think that it was originally designed to do that but but it's it's all we have you know in our in our medical system and we really need to find a way to bring long-term care costs within our uh our our medical our insurance system and, and find ways so that people can get that just like they get uh, regular health insurance. Yeah, the the industry as far as insurance has changed. You know, twenty years ago there was about twenty carriers. Right. Now there's about three that write the traditional stuff. Right. And it's made the the case for purchasing it very uh, shaky because you're like, if I buy it from this company today, I don't know what I'm going to be paying next year, the year after, because they may have not had it price right and they're going to raise my rates, or maybe they're going to be completely out of the business and they're going to sell my my. You know, 
it's made people really skittish. And then on top of that, like you said, it's expensive. Right. So I just wonder if there's been a shift. And you, you kind of you mentioned that, that people have shifted away from the traditional long-term care I think they have shifted away from the traditional and, and people that can afford the hybrid life policies uh, are, are going that direction. And I have it's been some years since I looked at it. Now, typically, the hybrid policies were a better fit for someone who had health issues that maybe couldn't qualify for the best traditional long-term care rates. I wonder if that's still the case. I'll have to do some research there. But certainly now that there's only one or two or three carriers that sell traditional long-term care insurance and nobody's willing to buy it. Yeah, I think I think that is the case. And I also think that um, you can qualify for some of those life products at an older age, too. Yep, not, and for, and for not longer, as stringent. Yeah. And they can structure them to, to, to have a lifetime payout as well. Have you experienced anyone that's that's been in home care or assisted living, used long-term care insurance, and how it protected assets? And then using the – how did the Tennessee Long-Term Care Partnership Plan play into that? You ever had one of those cases where it worked for people? I have not, at least that I recall, certainly not recently, had had a a long-term care policy under the partnership program with Tennessee where, where all that was implemented. Uh, Under that program, you basically get a credit um, for, uh, you know, your long-term care. Yeah, it's always Uh, interesting. Is it really going to play out in real life? So so (laughs) I haven't haven't seen it really much in real life. I mean, I'm sure there's some out there, but my impression in talking to other elder law attorneys is is that it it really has really never took off very much in in Tennessee. It wasn't enough incentive. Right, it wasn't enough an incentive. It's still very expensive insurance, and most most people still, uh, you know, don't purchase it. And uh, I, you know, again, I think uh, I think along the lines of the hybrids or, or, or just some other products that maybe you know are some changes to the law could incentivize uh, you know to to make these products more affordable and, and more popular. John Baker, estate planning attorney, BakerCounsel.com. On the phone, 896-5621, I believe, right? It's yeah, local number, it. 896-5621. John, I appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, always great to be here. We're taking our last break. we we'll be back in just a moment, and we'll wrap up the show. Keep it locked in right here on WGNS. Would you trust your doctor or surgeon if they had never been to medical school? Of course not. So why trust your financial future to a financial advisor with little training or education? Anyone can call themselves a financial planner or a financial advisor, but a certified financial planner has been extensively trained. My name is Jason Qualls, and I am one of just a few certified financial planners in this area. So ask your current advisor about their education and training. Then call me, Jason Qualls, Certified Financial Planner at 878-2134 or go to jasonquallscfp.com. Would you like your business to be more efficient? Well-organized financial records are the foundation of any successful business. Take an advantage over your competition today by calling Tothero Helen Welch CPAs at 848-1072. They can provide you with expert bookkeeping, payroll services, tax planning, and much, much more. Go to thwcpa.com or call them at 848-1072 today.
Welcome back to the show. Appreciate you listening today and every day. Of course, this is the one show giving you the truth about personal finance, financial coaching radio. Financialcoachingradio.com. Listen to the show anytime, anywhere. Stream the show. Listen to podcasts. All your favorite apps. Again, financialcoachingradio.com. Click archives. It's also a long list of all the past shows. We're talking about topics every day that most people aren't going to discuss because, hey, it's not always the most uh, sexy or uh, entertaining topic to talk about, but taxes, estate planning, insurance planning is just as important of your overall financial plan. It's talking about investments. And even investing is not that difficult. You know, people overcomplicate it, trying to think that there's some secret sauce out there to making sure you have a steady, uh, high growth and rate of return. It's not that complicated, but make sure you're working with the right type of advisor, an independent fee-only certified financial planner. If you want to learn more about what I do, how I do it, why I do it, why I'm so unique, go to jasonqualscfp.com. jasonqualscfp.com. I'm out of here for today. There is more local talk on the way if you keep it locked in right here on WGNS. And I'll see you tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. See you then.